while he's preparing, or do you want to give it? With faith, there are no questions. Without faith, there are no answers. I thought that one was really good. With faith, there are no questions. Without faith, there are no answers. That is the truth. Hallelujah. You want to expound on that? I'm going to open in prayer. Okay, Father, Father, we're praising you. We just give you thanks, Lord, as we look to your word. The eyes of our understanding may be open, Father God, that we may glean, Father God, from the scriptures that which is necessary to bring us into maturity in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Okay. James 1.5, uh, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to men all liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. So that's our scriptural reference to obtain godly wisdom. Godly wisdom, we said, is for everyone, not just the selected few. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 tells us that wisdom has built her house and it has seven pillars. The first pillar we found to be meekness. Uh, it's submitting to God, his direction for our lives. Uh, pillar two was truth. That means accuracy and adhering to truth and loyalty. Number three was love. It's demonstrated by caring and compassion, he helping and healing. Number four was what? Purity. Uh, being free and clear, simple, unmixed, being innocent. And we never did quite finish four, I don't think. So do you know where we stopped off at four? Do you have it? One more time. Matthew 7, 30. okay, I'm looking for it. Okay, must have been off of hers. <laughs> yeah, I think, what was the one before that? Okay. Okay, okay. That's when the trumpet went off in the middle of mine. Okay, that uh, first Sam. Okay, uh, first Samuel 15, that's when we said, that was the last one we did? Okay, then we go down to um, wicked thoughts must be handled immediately or else they will develop from a thought to an imagination, that imagination becomes a stronghold in our lives. According to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 22, we're supposed to put off the former lifestyle, which is corrupt. So we have to put this thing off. Um, it tries to climb back on our backs all the time, so we need to put it off. We must realize strongholds are extremely difficult to battle. But Jesus is, has the power to set us free and is the power to set us free. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment and see that stronghold that is uh, trying to hold you in bondage or put you in chains. See Jesus standing there victorious. Jesus now takes and walks up to you and gives you a set of keys. You unlock that chain and ch uh, locks that are 
holding you down. Make sure all locks and chains are released now. You give the key back to Jesus. Amen. And then Jesus takes the chains and, and removes them from you, making you free. You need to thank Jesus at that time for making you free. Amen? All right? We're not done. <laughs> okay. What's the scripture? I'm sorry. On this, that is, one. this is four, Ephesians 4, 22. Okay. So, uh, you're free. If Jesus took them, you're free. I mean, that's what you got to see in your mind when, when, when these strongholds come against you. If you, got, if you have a stronghold that's holding you, see that Jesus has given you the key. You unlock it, and he pulls the chains off. Okay? Um, can I share on that one when you're for, done? Go to, pardon me? Can I share on that one when you're done? Okay, she's going to go to Ephesians 4.22. I'm going to go down a little bit. It says, strip your, yourself of your former nature. Put off and discard your unrenewed self. So he's telling us that we need to put it off and then discard it. You know, you can, how many have ever had something that you just think, ah, I don't want this anymore, but you keep it around. Well, he's telling you to put it off and discard it. In other words, get rid of it. Once you get rid of it, it can't, it's not there unless you take it back. And then he goes on to say, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. That means to me that you don't keep going back to old things that people have done to you or that you've done or whatever. And put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, God-like, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done now with it. Let everyone express the truth with his neighbor. Then he goes on to say, when angry, do not sin. Do not even let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury or indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. That's pretty heavy. What he's saying here, if we do not get rid of this sin, we leave room or a foothold for the devil and it gives him opportunity in our lives. That's heavy. And this is, this, is, this is the one thing that people really need to deal with. You've got to get, completely get rid of it once and for all. You know, if you can go back and remember <clears throat> something that someone's done with to you, or if you bring it up to them, then you have not allowed it to let go. You've not let go of it. And that is leaving a foothold for the devil. That's pretty hairy when you think about that. Okay. And then turned with to First Peter chapter one, verse thirteen, uh, reading from the Amplified. So brace up your minds, be sober, circumspect, morally 
alert, set your, ho set your hope holy and unchangeably on the grace, divine favor that is coming to you when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is revealed. So glory to God. When he's revealed, you know who you are in Christ. You walk more in victory. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 this time. And this is purity. We haven't got to the next one yet. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Looking at verse 18. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, from the Amplified it reads, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this, from the Lord, is who? The Spirit. Okay, so we're changed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Need to jump up and down. Um, go to that T section in your Bible and find Titus. That's the book of Titus, chapter 1, looking at verse 15. Again, from the King James, we're looking at purity. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But e even their mind and conscience is defiled. So, glory to God, we are pure. Keep in mind, glory to God. Um, Philippians, two, uh, Philippians 2 and 5. Just, this is finishing up on purity. Philippians 2, 5. Says, let this mind be be in you, which is also in Christ. And he had a pure mind, so we have a pure mind. Let this mind be in you. Don't let it slip by. Don't let it say it pass by. But hold on to it. First Peter. Going back to First Peter, we just got uh, two more scriptures here. First Peter chapter one again. Looking at verse 22, that's 1 Peter 1, 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying, obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unframed love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. There's that purity. We only become pure through the Word of God. And uh, John 17, 7, 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy truth now, thy word is truth. Glory to God. So we are sanctified. We are purified, glorified. A renewed mind that is fixed on the word will see victory in him and shall be pure. Um, becoming mature means taking on responsibility. Amen. Becoming mature. If you think you're mature, how much responsibility are you taking on? If you're not taking any responsibility on, you're... Uh, not where you need to be, or we're not where we need to be. I'll put, put it in where we're all. Okay, so now we're going to go to pillar number five, which is found in Proverbs chapter 8. 
going to Proverbs chapter 8. That's Proverbs chapter, chapter 8, verse 8, from the Amplified. All the words of my mouth are righteous, upright, and right standing with God. There is nothing contrary to truth or crooked in them. So pillar number five is righteousness. In Proverbs 8 and 20, it goes on to say, I lead the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment. Glory to God. Or I walk in the ways of righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relationship into the midst and the path of justice. Um, definition for righteousness, I think we all know it, but we'll just read it. It's the character or quality of being right or just to know to denote an attribute of God, to have right standing with God. In other words, in God's eyes, you are pure. There is not even a tint of darkness in you. We are right standing with God. So let's go now to the New Testament for a moment. And we're looking at pillar number five, which is righteousness. That's Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3. 24. Correct. We will go to verse 24. It says, being justified freely. Oops. Romans 3, 24. Being justified freely by his, through his, by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Um, I don't know if I had that one right or not. Let me see. I think it should have been 23. Right. should have been 20, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin will blot out your righteousness. Sin separates you from God. If not confronted, if you don't confront that sin, it will eventually remove you from God. So we need to take 1 John 1, 9 and remove all this thing. In Matthew chapter 5 now, we'll look at this real quick. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is speaking in verse 20. He says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wow! Wow! The scribes and Pharisees had the corner on God's word in those days. Everybody looked up to the scribes and Pharisees. They had the corner on the God's words. This was their job, to copy the word of God, to exp uh, expound upon it. 
They knew the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the word. There are those today who have knowledge, but interpret differently the word of word as God intended it. People say, well, God didn't really mean that. This is what he means. Or those things are now past. We live in a modern society, so we need to change the word. You know, that's what they say with the Constitution. The Constitution was written way back then. Those people didn't know what we're going to face today, so we've got to change. It's a living thing. We've got to change it. Well, God's word, Jesus says, he's the same Today, yesterday, and forever. And if our Constitution was based on the Word, how can you say... Oh, never mind. Getting to another... Okay. Can I, can I share something? On what? Change? I, when you're done with this, can I share? Go ahead. Share. Okay. I found this very interesting, that... What verse were you in? Five. Five twenty. When you... Um, Look at verse 22. He said, But I say to you that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or, or harbors, harbors malice, enmity of heart against him, shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. And whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you are cursed, you cursed fool, empty-headed idiot, shall be liable to and unable to escape the hell, Gehenna of fire. So if when you are offering your gift at the altar, you there remember that your brother has any grievance against you, Leave your gift at the altar and go first. Make peace with your brother and then come back and present your gift. Come to terms quickly. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way traveling with him. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Wow, that's heavy. So he's saying here that we can't harbor any malice. We can't harbor anything. We've got to get rid of it immediately. Amen. We look at we look at these scriptures and we think, wow, certain things are certain certain things that people do are so much worse than others. Well, from what I see here, and if you look at those seven things that God hates. It says we need to, we cannot be angry or harbor malice, enmity in the heart against a brother or a sister in the Lord. That's heavy. Think of, think of married people. You know, divorce happens in a person's heart before it ever goes on a paper. How does it, har how does it happen? There's malice that's harbored and it keeps come, it'll come out. It'll just keep coming out one way or another. So we need to look at that. We need to live righteously. As 
Jesus has paid the price for us to live. Amen. Got something? Okay. Acts chapter 24. Let's see something here. <clears throat> Acts chapter 24. We will look at verse 25 from the Amplified. But as he continued to argue about uprightness or righteousness, purity of life, the control of passions, and the judgment to come, Felix became alarmed and terrified and said, Go the way of the present. When I have a convenient opportunity, I will send for you. In other words, don't try to, what, we're, what I'm trying to show here is, don't try to reason out God's word. Just believe it. Too many people try to reason out God's word. Well, I can do this. I can fudge a little bit here, you know, because God says, you know, I didn't do that, but, you know, it's in the gray area. There's no gray areas with God. It's either righteous or unrighteous. There's a line. It's like darkness and light. There's no, gray, there's no gray area. It's either one or the other. And we have to fess up to it, in other words. First uh, Corinthians now. First Corinthians chapter 1. We're looking at righteousness, the pillar of righteousness. Wow. First Corinthians one, we're looking at verse twenty-seven from the King James. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So oftentimes we we're thinking one thing or another and it's wrong. It's Opposing what God says, but we think, well, that's not right. How can you give away everything and be rich? Well, we have to find out. It says, if you give, I give back. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. We don't look at it, look at it that way. Somebody says, I, I gave and I gave. Well, you got to keep on giving. You just can't do it once. You have to be like the farmer. Sometimes there is a crop failure due to pestilence that comes your way. Or maybe you gotten, uh, were negligent in watering your crops. Hello. A lot of people, you know, we, we are negligent we, or we, we speak things wrong. We allow the, the enemy to come in. So we have to watch our, our words of our mouth, okay? Okay, and since we're there, let's go to the next book, which is 2 Corinthians. And we want to go to chapter 5. Verse 21. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. For our sake he made Christ virtually to be, sin, to be sin who knew no sin, so that 
in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in and examples of righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. So glory to God. We have been made righteous. Quit listening to the devil that you are unrighteous. Glory to God. What's wow. that bump, What's that bumper sticker you see? Something about uh, I don't know what is it. It's skipping my mind right now. It's it's about uh, I'm I'm forgiven I'm a forgiven forgiven Christian. What's God's not finished with me yet. Well, well, that could be one too. God's not finished with you. What's showing you that? God says that you you're righteous. Well, how can you say God's not finished with you? You're you're a finished product. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Right. Okay. Now we have been matching the pillars of wisdom to the things that the Lord hates in Proverbs. Let's go to go there. Proverbs chapter six. If you remember, that's. That's where we find out a few things. In Proverbs 6, in verse 16, it says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are abomination to him. And they kind of match up what we were looking at this against the seven pillars. Uh, they're the opposite. The pride, look, lying, tongue, hands that shed, innocent blood. A heart. Here we go. Verse 18. And heart that devises wicked imaginations. And feet that be swift to running to mischief. Feet that are swift to running to run to do mischief or evil. Being un unrighteous is to turn turn to the wicked and do sinful things. Okay? So... These are feet that run to do wicked things. Knowing right from wrong. Knowing right from wrong. Knowing right from wrong. And doing the wrong is feet that are swift to do evil. So let's see somebody that kind of fell into this category. There's a numerous individuals in the Bible that have that, but uh, I want us to turn to the book of Judges. Joshua and Judges. And find in Judges the 14th chapter and tell me who it's about. It's about Samson, for those that are quick on their feet, or quick with their fingers. And Samson went down to Timoreth and saw a woman of Timoreth, the daughter of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and mother and said, I have seen a woman mm -hmm. in Timoreth of the daughters of the Philistines. Now get her for me to be a wife. Well, they weren't supposed to... Mary outside the 
their Jewish people. So we see here, Samson is going to do a wrong. He pursues his own way, not God's way. Uh, he, bullies, he bullied his way to get what he wanted. Okay. That's one. Now turn with me to Second Samuel. Can I share a little bit here? Because this okay, is really, go to... We need to really look at Samson's life because his parents were told before he was ever born that how he was to live. And it's obvious that they certainly did not raise him the way that God told them to. And so he turned, really, I hate to say this, he turned into a brat. And it shows here, get me that woman. The parents should have told him, sat him down and said, you know, you wonder really if they actually sat, this, sat him down and told him what God had told them and repeated it and repeated it and repeated it into, into the child. You know, it makes you wonder. Because I can't imagine somebody just being way this far out there that it, I hope not, that had heard this all his life. Amen? Don't stop telling your kids, I don't care what age they are. I don't care if they turn to be 50. You have to continue repeating to them what the Word of God says and what the Lord has shared with you about them. Okay, sweetie, I'm sorry, but... Okay, now we'll turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, and we want to go to chapter 11 and tell me what's this all about. Uh, David. David and Bathsheba. Chapter 11, 2 Samuel, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass, after a year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabath. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass at eventide, that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came unto him, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her, her own house. <clears throat> David wanted something he could not have, or should not have, I'll put it that way. Bathsheba. Knowing right from wrong, he chose the wrong way, to please himself. Right. His feet became swift to do evil. He saw, he went after. So he had the thought, he had the temptation. Then his imagination began to play a role. After the imagination comes through, fulfillment 
of the evil deed. You know, can I share something here? Go for it. It, it talks about, in verse 3, David sent and inquired about the woman. One said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Someone tells him that she's married and who her father is, who her husband is, and he goes right along and, and sent messengers and he took her. That is so sad when you look, you know, when you think about this. He inquires, he's told, and he doesn't stop there. That's how the, unfortunately, that's how the carnal mind works. That's heavy. The thought, the temptation, your imagination goes through, then you bring fulfillment to it, and you do the evil work. So that's feet swift to running to do evil. Right. And it continues. It continues, you know, then he finds out she's pregnant. And so he sends to Joab, verse 6, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent to him. He gets so into this deception here that he's going to try to cover this up to get his wife to go and sleep with her. But then the sad thing is this man respects David so much that he, he won't even, he feels like, all these men are out there. They don't have the opportunity to be with their wives. I'm not going to do this. And here's David caught in a trap here. You should read the whole thing. Verse 15. And he wrote a letter saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and inquire from him that Retire from him that he may be smitten and died. Right, it wow. amplified. What, what a way of doing. Okay, she says, for the amplified. And he wrote a letter, put Uriah in the front line of the heaviest fighting and withdraw from him that he may be struck down and die. You know, in Proverbs 6 that Please. we just read. Go ahead, did you want to say anything? Go ahead. In Proverbs 6, um, it says a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. His heart manufactured these wicked thoughts and plans and feet that are swift to running to evil. But then the very next verse says, and this is what happens when, this, when you do this, the very next verse says, a false witness who breathes out lies even under oath and he who sows discord among his brethren. When you get to, the place, to this place where you are manufacturing wicked thoughts and plans and your feet are running swift to evil, then you start lying. Then a person starts lying and sows dis discord among his brethren. I mean, can you imagine what they thought about him? I mean, can you imagine? Send him out there, put him on the front heated part of the battle and then back away from him. That's That's... that's Horrible. Go ahead. Okay. It's hard uh, to imagine. We say that's all wrong of an individual. That's, that's <sighs> bad. Can you think of a time that you did it wrong? <clears throat> to satisfy self? 
and then lie about it? L looking, looking back on it, was it worth it all? Wow, we can, I think yeah, every one of us could stand up and tell a story, shall we? <laughs> well, when you, when you look at the, he, he lies, well, he goes ahead and does it. He inquires, he finds out who it is. Then he goes ahead and does it. She gets pregnant. Then he starts lying about it. it you know, you, and then strife hits. You know, the minute you start lying about something when you get caught, strife's going to hit. You'll get mad. You'll get angry if someone begins to question you, and you'll try to put it back on them. How many have ever done that? Well, you're the one that started this or whatever. And we see this so plainly. Okay, you want to go back to old Sam, Judges 14? No, let's move on. Okay, let's go to... Now, it said, in the scriptures, it says that David had a, was a man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. So let's look at the Psalms 50. Psalms 50. Psalms 50 or is there 50? Did I hit the wrong one? I don't know. It's not Psalms 50, it's Psalms 51. I'm sorry. Okay, Psalms 51. Here's what David says beginning in verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You know, I like what it says in 12 in the Amplified. It says, Restore, uphold me with a willing spirit a willing spirit so that's one thing it's a man after god's home psalms 119 psalms 119 now as you as you turn there you know it says restore me with the joy of your salvation and hold me with a willing spirit he had lost that willing spirit in this whole mess and so many people lose that when they sin then they're not willing to yield to what the Spirit has to say after that. There's a, something that comes over them and closes them off. Okay, Psalms 119.59. Psalms 119, look at verse 59. Again, this is David. 59 says, I thought on my ways, and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. It wasn't really... David didn't even think about it. He was still carrying on after the death of uh, Uriah. It wasn't until the prophet Nathan brought, brought him up, brought the accusation of, before him. He says, uh, if you watch uh, Veggie Tales, I want my decky. He had all the deckies. He wanted one more decky. Well, How many it took, seen it that took the, it, it took 
the prophet Nathan to open uh, David's eyes up. And then verse 59 opens up to him. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I finally realized I was doing something wrong. Psalms, uh, you're still at Psalms 119. Let's go to verse 101. That's verse 101. I have restrained my feet from evil way, that I might keep your word, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. Wow. So we need to recognize that. Read, read the next one because that is verse. Verse one hundred two says, "I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me." Wow. A man or a woman of of God to be after like after David's heart needs to know that first john 1 9 is available all the time some people says you don't need it you you just have grace you can do whatever you want i disagree you better start doing what god's word says and start picking and choosing things that are not uh, to make yourself better quote unquote can I read one more scripture? She says she likes to add one more scripture. Go for it's it. It's in one, one, 119, 106. And I have sworn an oath and have confirmed it that I will keep your righteous ordinances, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it that I will keep your righteous ordinances, hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying them. You know, one place in the Bible it says, David's a man after my own heart. I only have one thing about him, one thing against him, and that's the thing with Bathsheba. And that was a doozer, we gotta admit. But God had to teach him through this whole mess. You kind of wonder how can a person become so darkened from a situation that it takes a prophet to come and tell them what they've done and they don't get it at first. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty out there. Sad, but that's really out there. Pray to God none of us ever get to that. Amen? You know, if you're not quick to repent, People that are not quick to repent when they when they know they've sinned, they the enemy jumps in at that spot right there, and they give place to the enemy, and their prayer life goes down, their word reading goes down, their desire, their strong desire for God, starts falling backwards, and they don't even realize that they're backslidden. Okay. Having in the pillar of righteousness is choosing God's way above our own way. We must turn from doing evil to follow God. To walk in righteousness, one is going to have to continually make decisions. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. That's Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And Jesus said unto them, Come, ye after me. 
and I will make you become fishers of men. Come after me. Be my disciples. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When we make a decision to walk in righteousness, our flesh will resist. Can I share something on this, baby? Okay. As, as we go down to verse 18, Jesus said, Come after me and be my disciples, and I will make you become fishers of men. And at once they left their nets, yielding up all claim to them, followed with him, joining him as a disciple and siding with his party. You notice what they did. They did the same thing as Elisha did with Elijah. They left their nets, yielding up all claim to them, and followed with him. In other words, those aren't mine anymore. I'm going to follow Jesus. There's, there is a place that you have to completely leave everything, everything, and follow the Lord. If anybody has Catherine Coleman's last book that she didn't want printed until she died, it is so powerful about how, where she blew it and where she had to turn it around. And it's, it's really a, it's, it's a powerful book that people should read. Praise God. Okay, babes, what's okay. next? I'm repeating that uh, statement. When we make a decision to walk in righteousness, our flesh will resist. The choice is yours. You can walk in the power of God or if you're willing to pay the price of righteousness. Okay, now let's go back to the Old Testament. We're going to work our way back to the New Testament. Let's go back to Psalms 92. It's Psalms 92. All right, Psalms 92. You're righteous, amen. Amen. Verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in their old age, they shall be fat and flourishing. Glory to God. Nobody's read, read happy that about amplified. that at all. Read that in the Amplified because it gives a better Okay, from the Amplified, beginning with verse 12. <clears throat> the uncompromising righteous shall... That's, that's a good word, the uncompromising righteous. You know, you can't be... Righteous without being uncompromising. The uncompromising righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, be long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. Growing in grace, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be filled uh, full of sap, of spiritual vitality, and rich in a vendor of trust, love, and contentment. 
Boy, those are some good things that uh, a righteous person can have. That sounds good uh, to me. Let's go now to the book of Proverbs. We looked at Proverbs earlier. We've been in it. I'm going to ask, though, in this, in this 12, verse 12, what, sti what word sticks out to you the most? Anybody want to share? Going back to <coughs> Psalms 92, verse 12, what word? To me, the word that sticks out the most is useful. Useful and fruitful. Just think about that. And, you know, study that this week, that 12 down to 15. It's pretty powerful. Okay. Okay, in Proverbs chapter 12, we will look at verse 13. The wicked is snared by transgressions of his lips, but the just, or the righteous, shall come out of trouble. Uh, from the Amplified, it reads, The wicked is dangerous, dangerously snared by the transgression of his lips. Zip your lip then. But the uncompromising righteous shall come out of trouble. Hey, when trouble uh, tries to affect you, you'll walk right out of it. That's what the word is just telling us. That we come out of trouble. Proverbs 20 then. For those that are lingering on. Proverbs 20. The just man, verse 7, pardon me. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Verse 7 from the Amplified. The righteous man walks in his integrity. Blessed, happy, fortunate, enviable are his children after him. Wow, your children are going to benefit because you walk in righteousness. Sad thing about, about it is people don't realize it. Uh, if they don't have integrity, their children are going to suffer for it. Wow. That is so sad. It's so sad that what we do will affect our children. It just but you can change it. Mm -hmm. Quickly. Let's go to the book of Hosea, right after Daniel. I knew that you knew that. And that's Hosea chapter 10 this time. Hosea, I don't hear any more pages, so I guess you're there. Hosea chapter 10, looking at verse 12 from the Amplified. Sow yourselves according to righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God. Reap according to mercy and loving kindness. Break up your, un your uncultivated ground. For it is time to seek the Lord, to inquire for and of him, and to inquire his favor. Till he comes and teaches you righteousness and rains his righteous gifts of salvation upon you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Something to jump and shout about. Well. Oops. Got a little bit out of line here. Let's go back to the book of Isaiah. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 3. 
in Isaiah chapter 3. Verse 10, at Isaiah 3.10, it says, Say to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doing. If you're doing things right, you're going to eat the blessings. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians, and we are closing it off after the next two. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And locate verse 34. It says, Awaken unto righteousness and sin not. For some have not, have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. We need to wake up to righteousness. Begin to operate in right standing with God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. And the final two would be found first in Philippians chapter 1. That's Philippians chapter 1. We want to look at verse Eleven from the Amplified. You may abound in and be filled with the fruits of righteousness, of right standing with God and right doing, which comes through Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, to the honor and praise of God, that His glory may be both manifested and recognized. This righteousness is going to set you apart from people. 1 Timothy, let's tie this up with 1 Timothy, chapter 6. <clears throat> Verse 11, from the Amplified once again. But as for you, O man of God, flee from all these things, aim and pursue righteousness, Right standing with God and true goodness, godliness, which is loving fear of God and being Christ-like, faith, love, steadfastness, patience, and gentleness of heart. Fight the good fight of faith for righteousness and all those good, great, great, mighty things. Lay hold of eternal life. It's yours to operate in. The fifth pillar. Of what? Wisdom. Boy, some of you are slow out there. I heard somebody's stomach growl, so I guess we better stand. You know, I, I want to share something. Oops. You know, when you think about, I think about what happened to Bathsheba during all this. This is really sad because of one man who had power Desire, desiring her, she lost her husband, she lost her child, and in the end she became a very conniving woman for, her, for Solomon. I mean, really, when you look at it, when you read, read her life, but she lost so much. 
when when we decide to sin, so many times, or when people do, they don't realize what they're doing to that other person's life that they involve in with them. They, you know, they come to the point where they don't really care. We need to pray. You know, we are in a very immoral time in, of in age, and we cannot allow that immorality to become a part of us. You need to guard your hearts at all times, because you know it can just sneak up on you. And, and I'm really glad Pastor's teaching on these seven pillars of wisdom, because you don't even you don't even realize what. You know, what one, looking out your window, I mean, she's out there bathing. I'm sure she must have known everybody could see her. But I mean, looking, or at least the king, um, looking out the window, lust in a man's heart. Look at how many was, how much was lost. It's, sin is pleasurable, what they say, for a season. Wow. That wasn't the only thing. That was the only thing, if you read the account later on, that uh, Bathsheba's grandfather was involved later on in his life. Wow, what a turn of events. And he held that for a long time. Read it, or reread it, I'll put it that way. For those that have read it, go back to it. If those that haven't got there yet, read it. Let's all stand. Father, we're praising you and we're thanking you, Lord, that wisdom can truly be ours, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us instruction in your word, Father God, to bring forth, Father God, a maturity, Father God. Take the responsibility, Father God, that wisdom has given us, Father God. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. Give us each a great week, Father God that what we put our hands to shall be blessed, Father God. And those words that come against us, Father God, shall fall to the ground. And Father God, that we will be a blessing to those that we come in contact with. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen.